Welcome to Into the Verse, where we share new and unexpected insights on an upcoming holiday, diving deep into the verses to uncover the Torah's own commentary on itself. Hi, I'm Beth Lesh, one of the scholars here at Aleph Beta. So, it's the 10 days of repentance. Yom Kippur is just a few days away. And I don't know about you, but I want to show up for Yom Kippur feeling ready, like I'm even excited for the day, if that's not too much to ask. If you're feeling that way too, I have something special to share with you in this episode. Rabbi Foreman is going to take us into the verse and invite us to notice that there are some really strange things about the Torah's description of Yom Kippur. You see, I always thought that Yom Kippur is all about getting forgiven for our sins. But what Rabbi Foreman points out is that forgiveness doesn't actually seem to be the primary focus of Yom Kippur, at least as the Torah presents it. And once you see that, it kind of totally changes the way you understand what Yom Kippur is all about. I'll let Rabbi Foreman give it over. He's going to begin by asking us to consider what it means that Yom Kippur is one of the Yamim Noraim, the days of all. And his exploration of the essential nature of Yom Kippur will take us to a very surprising place. Why is Yom Kippur one of the Yamim Naraim? The word Yamim Naraim is Days of Awe, Rosh Hashanah, Jewish New Year, Yom Kippur. And what exactly is awe, anyway? Is it fear? It's not quite fear. How would we define the feeling of awe? And why would we associate awe with something like Yom Kippur? Now, if you've ever been to synagogue on Yom Kippur, you know that the liturgy is very solemn. But if you think about what's actually happening on this day, it's a day when we achieve the forgiveness for our sins. That's a wonderful thing. That's a good thing. It's a happy thing. Why should that be associated with fear or awe? Why is Yom Kippur one of the Yom Narayim? Put yourself in God's shoes and imagine that you were the writer of the Torah and that you were going to introduce the world to the idea of Yom Kippur. How would you do it? I'd get right down to the point. And God said to Moshe, saying, Tell everyone there's going to be this wonderful day when once a year I will purify you and I will forgive you of your sins. Something like that. You'd give the date, you'd give the time, you'd close with a suitable exhortation. But that's not the way Yom Kippur is introduced. Parshat Achrevot introduces Yom Kippur, and it does not introduce Yom Kippur like that at all. Here is the very strange introduction that we actually get to the day that we now call Yom Kippur. Vayom Rasha Moshe, and God said to Moshe, Daber el Aaron Achicha, tell Aaron the high priest, Al Yavo Bechol Eit Alakodesh, tell him not to come into the innermost sanctum of the holy tabernacle any time that he wants. Mi Beit Leparochet, where is that place? It's behind the curtain. There was a curtain that would separate the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle. El Pneha Kaporet, as he would go through the curtain, he would come close to the Kaporet, the covering over the ark, Asher ala Aaron Velo Yamud. Tell him not to do this all the time so that he doesn't die. Because I appear in a cloud, God says, over this covering over the ark. I have a better idea, God says. This is how Aaron should come to the Holy of Holies. And then the verses launch into this very long and detailed procedure through which Aaron can come into the Holy of Holies. Now, did you hear anything about Yom Kippur? Neither did I. At the very end of this long, long list of procedures, we finally find out when all this happens. You should do this procedure 
forever, it should take place on the seventh month, that would be Tishrei, on the tenth day of the month. And when you do this, you should fast when you do this, you shouldn't do any malacha, you shouldn't do any work. Because on this day, God will forgive you, will purify you. For all of your sins, you'll be purified. Well, one second, shouldn't that have been all the way back at the beginning? Isn't this the main point? Why are you not even getting to this until the end? The way the Torah introduces Yom Kippur to us seems to be topsy-turvy. Don't come into the Kodesh this way. Come into the Kodesh that way. Long, long list. And finally, ah, you should do this every Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day when you get forgiven of sins. Isn't that what it's really all about? What's the logic in describing Yom Kippur the way the Torah actually does? Maybe the answer is that Yom Kippur isn't really what we think it's about. Maybe it's not primarily about forgiveness of sins. Maybe that's the secondary effect of something else that's primary. What's it primarily about? Listen to the very first words, and maybe we'll see. God spoke to Moshe after the death of the two sons of Aaron. How did they die? They died when they tried to come close before God. That's how they died. What did they do? They brought incense from the incense altar into the Holy of Holies, and they died. What does it mean? How were they trying to come close to God? Ah, where is God? Ki be'anan era el because I, God, am there. I am in a cloud hovering over the cover of the ark. When else was God in a cloud? Exodus 24, verse 16, The glory of God rested on Mount Sinai. God's cloud covered the mountain. And there too, the Ten Commandments, the tablets of the law, and what's inside the ark. The same Ten Commandments. Now they're inside the tabernacle, and there again is God's cloud hovering over the ark. What the children of Aaron tried to do was come close to God. They tried to recreate the Sinai experience. They tried to approach God's cloud hovering over the ark, but they did it in a way that God didn't command. God says, I'm going to give you a chance to be able to do successfully what they tried to do unsuccessfully. Once a year you can do this. Once a year you can recreate Sinai. Once a year your cloud can merge with my cloud. Listen to what Aaron does. He takes the incense. He puts it on fire and there's this cloud of smoke from the incense. The And this man-made cloud of incense covers the kaparet, covers the upper covering of the ark, asher ala edut, which is on top of the Ten Commandments, the lo yamut, and he will not die. Where was God? God was in a cloud over the ark, and now there's another cloud over the ark. The human cloud merges with the divine cloud. It's the moment of contact, the most dangerous moment, the moment that you could die, the lo yamut. But do it this way, and you will not die. The imperative for this is not forgiveness. You don't do this as a means to some end. You do this as an end in and of itself. Why do we connect to God? Because we connect to God. Because he's our source. Because we want our cloud to merge with God's cloud. 
We don't want the Sinai experience to be a one-off experience in history. We want to recreate it year after year, that direct contact. That's why it's a day of awe, to directly encounter your creator, the one from beyond, the master of the universe who made the world. The emotion you have at that possibility is not quite fear, but it very surely is awe. Awe is the sense of being so small in the presence of something so large, so overwhelming. Yes, recreating the Sinai experience is an end in and of itself, but nevertheless, that has a byproduct too. The byproduct comes at the end. The byproduct is forgiveness. On this day, God will forgive you. He will purify you from all of your sins. How is forgiveness a byproduct of contact with the Almighty? Look at the word for forgiveness. Where else do we have that word in this whole story of what you do on Yom Kippur? That root, which we take to mean forgiveness, actually was an object in the Mishkan, an object which has pride of place in this procedure, in this avoda, which Aaron does on Yom Kippur. Over and over again, we hear about this thing in the Mishkan. We hear about it seven times in the Torah's account of this avoda. It's the kaporet, the covering of the ark. The clouds merge over the kaporet. The kaporet is not a forgiveness thing. It's a covering. If there's another way to read the verse about forgiveness, Today, God covers over you. You come into contact with God when the cloud of the divine merges with the cloud of incense. God covers us. We become enveloped by God himself. God takes us in. And that has a byproduct. It purifies you. We're washed clean by the encounter. Before God, you're washed clean. There's a mechanism to Yom Kippur. Forgiveness doesn't come out of the blue. It's not that God waves a magic wand and you're forgiven. You have to let go of your sins, but even after you let go, you're still sullied by the action. You still feel dirtied by it. How do you become washed clean? Through contact. Contact with your Maker. Rabbi Akiva said it. Ashrechem Yisrael, fortunate are you, O Israel. Lifnei miyatemetarim mumimetaretchem. Before whom do you become washed clean? And who washes you clean? Lifnei avichem shabbat shamayim. Before your creator in heaven. And he concludes, the way that a mikvah, the pure clean waters of the mikvah bath, purifies the impure. Kacha kadosh baruchu metaret Yisrael. So does God purify Israel exactly the same thing. The mikveh envelops you. It's like the amniotic fluid. It covers you all over and you emerge reborn, pure. Once a year, God himself envelops the entire people like a mikveh. And if we can but let go of our sins, we too can emerge from the encounter, unsullied, pure as a newborn child. So I love so many things about this piece. It is such a brilliant read of the Torah text. You know, Rabbi Foreman showing us how you can set aside what you think you know about something and really read the text and be attentive to what's being emphasized and what's not. How does it change things for me? Well, to me, it means that the holiest day of the year isn't about beating our chests for having done wrong. 
it's about having an experience of intimate encounter with God. Ah, but what if you've spent the whole year sinning? Okay, so you need to deal with that before encountering God, because you're not going to really be able to experience the encounter if you're not your best self. But all of this forgiveness stuff, it's secondary. It seems to me to suggest something really fascinating, really exciting, that if we got to some perfected state in which we never sinned all year long, that we would still need Yom Kippur, that God would still ask us to show up because God would still want to meet with us once a year. I'm reminded of something that one of our Aleph Beta fans commented when he first heard this piece, that it kind of takes you back to the relationships that God forged with our forefathers and foremothers. God didn't reach out to them because they had sins that they needed to atone for, or to account for. God reached out because God wanted a relationship. God reached out in friendship, in love. And in a sense, God did the same thing at Sinai. And the surprising idea here, the idea that's really lingering for me, is the idea that God extends that same gesture, that same contact to every generation. So I'll be taking that with me into Yom Kippur this year. I hope this piece was meaningful for you. I wonder if it changed things for you. And as always, would love to hear how. Beth here again. Before you go, I have some news to share that I think will be very exciting for some of you. For a limited time, when you sign up for an Aleph Beta annual membership, we'll send you a copy of Rabbi Foreman's book, Genesis, a Parsha Companion, as a welcome gift. Just in time for the new Parsha cycle. Starting Bereshit again always comes with such a sense of possibility. It's that Bereshit energy, you know what I mean? Looking out at the year ahead and thinking, this time, Parsha is going to be a real part of my week. It's not always easy to keep that momentum going, but we're hoping a shiny new copy of the Parsha Companion can help with that. It's a beautiful book, hardcover, big print, with stunning full-color graphics that make the patterns and chiasms Rabbi Foreman's famous for so easy to grasp. But the best part, of course, are the insights. It's amazing how much these familiar texts still have to teach us. Oh, I got so excited about the book. Let's not forget that membership gets you access to Aleph Beta's full library of hundreds of audios and videos on every Parsha, as well as holidays, prayers, and so much more. That's going to help keep the Bereshit energy going, too, all year long. Sign up today before this offer ends. There's a link in the description. Shana Tova, and thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Into the Verse wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends and family about us. That really helps us to grow. And if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a rating or even write a brief review to help other listeners find us. Now, the six most recent episodes of Into the Verse are free, completely free, to listen to on your podcast app, while the archive of back episodes is a perk for paid members on the Aleph Beta website. Aleph Beta members also receive each week's Into the Verse transcript directly to their email, to print or read online. That's handy dandy for Shabbat reading. This episode was written and recorded by our lead scholar, Rabbi David Foreman. When this episode originally aired on Aleph Beta, it was edited by Rivki Stern. Into the Verse editing was done by Sarah Penso. Our audio editor is Hilary Gutman. Our editorial director is me, Imu Shalev. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.